0: You are listening to the One Church TO podcast. We are an imperfect community who are attempting to help people know God, love people, and make an impact in our city of Toronto, Canada. At the time of this podcast episode, we are currently experiencing the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. So you'll start to notice in this same feed, we'll be providing some extra episodes alongside our weekend teaching to encourage you throughout the week. But we hope today's teaching is valuable for whatever season or situation that you find yourself in
1: luke 7 36-50 jesus anointed by a sinful woman one of the pharisees asked jesus to have dinner with him so jesus went to his home and sat down to eat when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there she bought A beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more than that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me so much love. But a person who's forgiven little Shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace.
2: Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome to a brand new series, as Pastor Matt said, about trust. And today, we're actually going to talk about the foundational level of trust. Next week, we'll be talking about trusting God with a financial setback, and in the weeks to come, different situations. But foundationally, trusting Jesus. And this story is really unique and powerful. Uh, In it, there's a, a, a man, and then there's a woman. Let me tell you a little bit about them. The first is Simon. And we learn about Simon that he's a Pharisee. Now, what we need to remember about the Pharisees, they were the religious elite, and Jesus said the most critical things he had to say about anybody about this group of people. And for that reason, it's kind of amazing, Uh, the Pharisees really wanted nothing to do with Jesus except to try to entrap him. But Simon is special, and we need to remember this at the beginning of the story. Simon's special because he's open. He's kind of like the Pharisee mentioned in the book of John, a guy named Nicodemus, who has a curiosity about Jesus. There's a spiritual openness. There's an awareness. There's, a, there, there's an interest in the person of Jesus. And Simon invites Jesus to come to his house, which would have been a big step, to have a meal with him. So Jesus goes to into his house to have a meal. He reclines at the table because in that Middle Eastern ancient culture, you would lie on a couch and you'd lean on your left elbow and you'd eat with your right hand. So his feet weren't under the table because they didn't sit in chairs like we do. His feet were reclined behind him. And we're told in the story that a woman comes up behind Jesus. And she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. And she pours perfume on them. And it's interesting in this moment, this woman is introduced. And she is a prostitute. She's a sinner. She's an immoral person. And in the story, we get to hear some of Simon's inner dialogue. Jesus knew what he was thinking. He knew that Simon did not approve of what was going on in this moment. But Simon is thinking, listen, if Jesus knew what type of woman this was, he would never let her touch him. I mean, she's an immoral woman. He can't be from God then. He can't be from God. no we gotta realize this was an amazing spectacle. It really was an amazing spectacle. Imagine this, imagine COVID-19 is done. Yes, Lord, please, right? And this afternoon you're going to your favorite restaurant with a dozen of your closest friends. Somewhere during the meal, a woman comes into the restaurant that for some reason or another is obviously a, a, a prostitute and she comes and she kneels at one of the feet of one of the men at the table one of your friends. And she begins to cry at his feet, kissing his feet. Now, imagine how awkward it would be and uncomfortable that moment would be. Everybody in the restaurant, there'd be stares and there would be frowns. And, you know, as uncomfortable and awkward as that would be now, it was incredibly uncomfortable and awkward then. Now, Jesus knows what Simon's thinking, though. He knows that He's not only disapproving, he's also seeing this as evidence he can't be from God because if he was from God, he would have nothing to do with such an unclean woman. And then Jesus says this. He says, I've got a story to tell you. Now, if you've not read the Bible before, let me tell you this. Every time Jesus says, I've got a story, buckle up. Because at first, the story, you're drawn in, and then you realize by the end of it, that story, it's about you. We can both and no matter who you are watching today, you can find yourself in the story. Because maybe, maybe you can identify with a woman in the story. Maybe you'll identify with Simon in the story. But either way, we're all in this story. And he tells a story about two debtors. There's two people that owe money. And they owe money to a lender. The first one owes 500 pieces of silver. And that's about a year's wages in that day and age. And the other owes 50 pieces of silver, which was about a month's worth. The, 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 the focus of this story is not how much they owed, it's the fact that they all owed and none of them could pay back their debt. They were unable to pay their debt to the lender. And the beautiful thing is, the lender forgives them of their debt. And then Jesus, after he tells the story, he turns to Simon, the Pharisee, and says to Simon, Simon, which one of those debtors would have more love and joy for the lender? And he says, well, probably the one that was forgiven the most. And Jesus says something. Jesus is saying this, saying, Simon, you and this woman, you're both the debtors. Now, this would be incredibly offensive in many ways to Simon, and especially the other Pharisees that would have been in the room for this dinner, because he didn't see himself at all like this woman. Well, don't put me in the same sentence with this woman. You see, you could say this. Simon had more to lose in this situation. Simon Simon had built and curated an incredible reputation. He was a very moral man, a very clean living man. Uh, In contrast, this woman was immoral. Uh, Jesus even admitted it, that she she had sinned greatly many times. She was an immoral woman. She, her reputation was well defined. It was not curated and well cared for and well thought of. Uh, she was known for what she did. Simon would have been well educated. He was a well educated man. She likely would have been just educated with whatever level her mother was able to give her. Simon was operating out of a male dominated society at that time. She was a marginalized portion, a vulnerable portion of the population. I mean, in many ways, Simon doesn't want to seem at all like her. He's different. I'm different than her. And Jesus says, you're surprisingly similar. In fact, there's a lot of similarities between the two of them. They both wanted to see Jesus. Simon wanted to see Jesus. This woman wanted to see Jesus. They both find themselves in the presence of Jesus. So remember, they both wanted to see Jesus. They're both in the presence of Jesus, and they both are, have listened to Jesus' teaching. So there's a lot of similarities between Simon and this woman. They both wanted to see him. They're both in his presence. They both listened to his teaching. But here's where the similarities end. One of them remains cold and detached, ambivalent. And the other remain, or becomes transformed and changed. This woman is transformed and changed. What's the difference between this woman and Simon? Well, and why should it even matter? Well, friends, no matter where you're listening from, you need to understand this. And just listen to this part because this is critically important. Right now, you are in the presence of Jesus. You didn't stream One Church to you live to see some pixelated images of people talking to you on a screen you streaming this because there's something in you that wants to connect with Jesus. And if this is all brand new to you, let me, let me help you understand how you connect to the presence of Jesus. Every time we think about Jesus, every time we consider Jesus, every time we read about Jesus, every time we sing about Jesus, we are moved into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus is a polarizing person. Inasmuch as all of us will either respond like this woman responds or like Simon does. We're all in God's presence. And some of us, we may respond like Simon with some ambivalence, maybe with some anger, some confusion, some distancing, some coolness, some detachment from the teaching because we don't want to connect too closely. Or we'll be like this woman. We'll respond very differently. We'll move towards it and we'll be transformed and changed. Now, why is it two people speaking to the same person? They're in the same place. They're seeking the same thing. One of them has changed and one of them is not. Well, in a word, I I could sum it up in this word, trust. Trust. They each trust differently. Both of these people have reasons not to trust. Difficult reasons not to trust. This, this, this man, Simon, he needs to be careful. After all, he has a lot to lose. So be careful how much he trusts. This woman, she's been used. She's been used, and it's really hard to trust for her. And I know this about you and I. We all have different trust levels, don't we, friends? And for some of us, it's tougher to trust than others. Here's the difference between these women, this woman and this man. Simon Simon takes a few of his chips here. Make no mistake about it. It cost him to have dinner with Jesus that day. I'm sure reputationally, there were other Pharisees who were like, why do you have this man in your house? Do you know what he said about us? So it's costing him maybe a little bit on the reputation side. Maybe there's some expense around the meal. There certainly would have been. So it's costing him to be somehow in relationship to Jesus in this moment. But he's remaining detached. He's making sure it's not costing him everything. And this woman, in contrast, she is all in in this moment. All in. Can you imagine how scary it would have been for her to show up at Simon's house that day? She didn't even need to know him personally to know what he thought of her. And she had the audacity to come into Simon's house and then to come up behind the person of Jesus. Can you you imagine how nervous she she would have been? He could so easily reject her and she knows she should be rejected. And she comes into this all-in moment and Jesus teases out the story a little bit here. Because it tells us a little bit about how she came. It says, Jesus turns to Simon after the story is told. And he said, listen, when I entered your house, Simon, you didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't give me water to wash my feet. And I can imagine Simon's response, just intellectually thinking through what Jesus said. Saying, Jesus, what, what do you think I... Jesus, I, I had you into my house for a meal. I had you into my house for a hot meal. We were having a good conversation, a great chat before this woman came along. Did you expect me to make a, a spectacle out of you to get down on my feet at your, get down on my knees at your feet? And Jesus is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. The first difference we see between this man and this woman is she comes with her whole self. He comes with his head and his head only. She's responded. She's heard the message of Jesus. She has intellectually grappled with it, and she's involved her whole person, her whole being. She, they both have shown an interest in Jesus. They both have shown an interest. They, they want an aspect of Jesus to be in their life. You could kind of say it this way. They're both in church, They're both sitting there. They're both responding. They're both listening. They both somehow believe in Jesus. But there's a primary difference between the two, how they respond to the person of Jesus. Simon wants to stay in control of the conversation and control of the situation. And this woman surrenders complete control. She surrenders. Simon's approaching Jesus uh, like, like, like it's an interview, that, that somehow, you know, Jesus, I'm having you into my home, but this is a bit of a, like an interview. Like, Jesus, I'm impressed. I've seen your miracles. Impressive. Impressive, Jesus. And your teaching. Woo! Remarkable teaching. And I'm, I'm very impressed, and I just want to see if it's advantageous for me to add you to my life, maybe to add to my life. And in contrast, this woman is very different. She's surrendering control. Simon is in control. Think of it this way. You've been to a job interview before. I have. I've been on one side of that interview table, and I've been on the other side of that interview table. And you know when you go for a job interview, it's advantageous not to show that you're desperate, right? You don't want to, be, you don't want to appear desperate. And Simon is treating Jesus like he's the applicant and Simon is the interviewer. He's in control of the situation. Jesus, it's fortunate you've been able to come into my home. I wanted to have you in, because I wanna know more about you, and I'm probing to see whether it's advantageous to have you in my life. And you know what it's like in a job interview. If you're applying for a job, if you're too eager and you sound too desperate, what do you lose? You lose control, and you lose the ability to negotiate, right? You can't negotiate a higher salary. They already know you're desperate. So you keep your cards close to your chest. And if you're the one doing the interviewing, you don't want them to know you're desperate to fill that role. Why? Again, you'll lose control. You want to be able to negotiate. And by this woman, the way she comes to Jesus, everything's in the middle. This all-in trust. She loses control. There are no negotiations. This is a complete surrender moment for her. It would help if I define the word trust here for you as we continue our teaching. Here's a good way to define it and the way I wanted to define it in this series. Trust is putting your weight on something to the point of vulnerability. Vulnerability. Putting your weight on something to the point of vulnerability. Now, some of you might be sitting in one of these. Every time you sit in one of these, it's a bit of a trust test, isn't it? You're putting the full weight of your person, and you're making yourself vulnerable, and you're trusting that the chair is going to hold you up, right? Now, the problem is in life is sometimes a chair could be defective, broken, or worn out. Here's why friend it's hard for you to trust because you have trusted in the past you've made yourself vulnerable and you've put the full weight of something a situation on a person or a thing and it turned out to be broken worn out or, or defective and inevitably it let you down and when it let you down it hurt you it wounded you it damaged you so now now, now you're careful. Now you're really careful what you're going to trust. See, friends, here's the thing in life. With every human being, whoever you're placing your trust on, every situation, every institution, every ideology that you try to put your trust on, they're all broken. They're all defective. They're all worn out. Because this world has been broken by sin. So this woman, when she comes and she puts all her chips in the center, and she puts all that vulnerability on the person of Jesus, it's an incredible trust test. Here's what I don't like about this, and maybe you don't like about this. Here's the truth. Without, with no, you There's no relationship without trust. You know, if you're viewing with someone, you know this is true. If you have someone in your life, friends, family, or otherwise... You can't have a good relationship with someone without trust being primarily there. And here's the problem. There's no trust without vulnerability. You can't grow trust without vulnerability. You need to be vulnerable in order to grow trust, and then you need trust to build a relationship. You know what it's like when you're interested in someone? What do you need to do to build trust when you need to open up? You need to open up and be vulnerable. And this is so scary. And this is so hard for so many of us. Because once you open up and share more about who you are and who yourself, who you are, every time you're doing that, you're putting more chips in the middle. And now they can use that against you. They can twist that against you. So many of us, we won't allow ourselves to become vulnerable. So we don't learn how to trust. And without trust, we can't have that type of relationship. I can't imagine how scary this was for this woman to move to that place. Jesus helps us unpack this. And in the story, it's amazing. This woman comes up behind him, begins to wash his feet with her tears and kiss his feet. Humility beyond. But then it says this. It says this in Luke. It says that she had a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, this was likely a jar that she had on a necklace around her neck. Prostitutes in that era, they would wear perfume around their neck in a jar. It was, part of, it was a tool of their trade. It was a part of their attractiveness, their allure. And when she took that off, when she took the tool of her trade and poured it out on Jesus, she's saying, I found a better purpose for this perfume now what she's indicating is a change of direction for her life there's a radical vulnerability she demonstrates and friends it's important for us to remember that you cannot relate to Jesus without a radical vulnerability it's moving your chips into the middle of the table so that it's you're you're saying Jesus you know you have my my mind my body my, my, my resources, my ethics, my intellectual capacities, my relationships, my sexuality, it, it's all yours, Jesus. And we move those chips into the middle of the table. And by doing that, we're the ones who say we surrender control. We give you control. We can't stay in control. Here's the thing. Jesus is not the applicant in your life. Don't mistake the fact that he is seeking you Looking for you, knocking at the door of your heart as Him being desperate. No, 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 friends. He was completed in Himself, but He loves you. And so He pursues you in this relationship. And the truth about you and I is we all have that necklace around our neck, we all have that little jar. And here's the truth you're going to pour it out on someone's feet. Who are you going to trust with your heart? Who are you going to trust with your most precious stuff? Friends, I think there are many of you online that have experiences I have. Jesus is truly the only person that can bear the weight of the entire personhood of me, that I can trust with all the pieces of my life. And this woman, she takes this flask. It's probably the most expensive and most valuable thing that she owns in this world. And by pouring it out on the feet of Jesus, she's saying this this in effect. Jesus, you're not just going to be another thing in my life. Jesus, you are the most important thing in my life. The priority that you hold in my life, more important than my most precious possessions. This story really helps you to see the difference between regular religion and real Christianity. In regular religion, we'll use Jesus to get to other things. I'll use Jesus to get to what? Well, just to feel better in life. I'll use Jesus just to get things in life. I'll use Jesus just to to build things in life. But real Christianity, the end goal is not to get to something else. It's to be with Jesus because you're the most important thing in life. Now, where does this type of trust come from? Because this isn't easy. Where does that type of trust come from? Well, in the story, we see again these similarities between Simon and this woman, and this builds the foundation for where this trust comes from. See, Simon and this woman, they both believe in God. They both believe in God, that's for sure. But they also know that they're both sinners. Simon would know this. He's a Pharisee. He knows the law. He knows he has sinned, he just knows she sinned a lot more than he has. But they're both aware that they need forgiveness. Both of them know that they need forgiveness. You know, and here's the thing with this situation between Simon and this woman. Jesus is essentially saying to Simon, you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand the depth of your sin and the cost of salvation. You can't understand this. You know, friends, let me just talk to those of you who are followers of Jesus. The longer you follow Jesus, you got to be careful here. Because we, sometimes we, have a, we begin to stop living out of the gospel. We stop renewing the experience of the gospel. See, friends, if you are not experiencing what this woman was experiencing in the presence of Jesus, be cautious, be careful It might be, it's not just something you experience the first time you come to Jesus. It's something we need to continue to renew in our lives. How do we do this? Well, it's the way we understand what sin is, really. It's the way we understand sin that helps us to understand. And in the story, it's unpacked really well. In this story, Jesus is the lender. Jesus is the lender in this story. And, he, and in the story, he begins to talk to the fact that this man and this woman, they hold different debts. She owes 500 gold uh, silver pieces. He owes 50 silver pieces. And what's the difference? Now, wrong, the wrong telling of the story is we can actually think, and I've heard it even taught this way, that this woman actually, she needed Jesus more than him. I mean, she needed Jesus more than him. She was a way worse sinner. She broke many of the Ten Commandments. That's, she needed, the point of the story is that she needed Jesus more than him. And that's not the point of the story. Not at all. The point of the story is that neither of them could repay their debt. Neither of them could repay their debt. They were in the exact same position. They both were in the exact same position. See, neither could pay their debt. That meant, in that ancient culture, if you couldn't pay your debt, you went to prison. You would lose everything. So Simon, as much as he had, he'd lose everything. She would, as little as she had, she would lose everything. They'd end up in prison and they'd end up in the same very, this very same cell. This is why this story would have been offensive to Simon. What do you mean, I'm the same as her? Think of it this way. Think of... Uh, these are tragic examples, but hopefully they'll help you understand the point that Jesus is trying to make. Imagine you're out in the Rouge Valley, because and you're social distancing, of course. And you, you're going down a hill, but you trip and fall. And you know, the person begins to roll down the hill, and a, a tiny stick lodges in between your rib cages, and you die. Terrible thought, but just follow me. Or there's someone else that has gone down with a machine gun with hundreds of bullets. Let me ask you, the person who fell down that hill and a stick caused their untimely death or the person that was mutilated by the machine gun, which one's more dead? I can tell you which one looks better at the end. This person who fell down, I'm sure, will look better than that person, but they end up in the same place. And this is what Jesus is saying. Simon, you might look better. You might look better, but you're going to end up in the same place. And this would have bothered Simon and any Pharisee in the room because they have worked hard to live a good life. They've been generous with their money. And Jesus is saying, I want you to understand that you're in the same position, that you are as unable to pay back your debt as this woman is. And Simon, you're as liable. And Simon, you're as condemned There is no difference. Now, this bothers me, and it probably bothers you. Because there's an element of fairness that feels to be missing in this. And often it's because we misunderstand this world and the economy of God. But it seems unfair that this man who lived a good life, and maybe you're over here with Simon, and maybe this story even bugs you at this point, because you're good at keeping the rules. You know, you've, you've worked hard at keeping the rules and there's something good about that because the Bible will also say in other portions of Scripture that obedience brings life and good things too. But But we both need a Savior. Both of us need it. Here's the misunderstanding that sometimes we make when we're standing over here. Remember that Jesus is the lender in the story. He is the lender in the story, right? And that means that everything that we own or have belongs to Jesus he gives us everything on loan your brain your body your relationships your capacity everything is a gift from God and the Bible would say that 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 all comes from God now if we're over here we might say Jonathan I've worked hard for what I have sure you've worked hard with what With that IQ that was given to you? With that health and strength that was given to you? In other words, you worked hard to earn things with things that were given to you. And the Bible would say that we owe a great debt to God and that we're to live a life that's dependent on God. So that brings me back to the definition of sin. This is why Simon missed it. And sometimes we, you know, have you ever met someone that they're not a follower of Jesus then they live better than a follower of Jesus does? And I've seen it. And they're commendable people and good people. But just like this woman, they all fall short. They all fall short. And it's because of our definition of sin. Here's a definition of sin that might help us. Sin is a desire to live independent of God. How deep is that sin in your heart, friend? How deep is it? Why is this woman transformed and Simon not transformed? Because she knows she's a sinner. She knows the depth of her sin and she has stopped trusting in her good works. Her volunteerism, stop trusting in her own understanding, stop trusting in her own wisdom, and she goes all in with Jesus in this moment. All the chips in the middle, she says, I surrender. I surrender, Jesus. You have control. And she is transformed in this moment. She is changed in this moment. She has seen the depth of her sin, and she has seen the cost of forgiveness. Simon can't see it quite. See, it's all an understanding of what forgiveness looks like. You know, how does the lender forgive? Think about this in life. You know, here's, here's a truth that can be missed on us sometimes. You cannot forgive a debt. You can only transfer it. Sometimes we think, you know, whether it's with a bank or an institution or a business, if a business is forgiving a debt, sometimes we just think it's just pressing the delete button on something. Friends, somebody's going to pay. Somebody has to eat the cost of every debt that's forgiven. It's transferred. This is the gift of Easter we've just went through. Jesus on the cross paid the cost. It was transferred. Your debt was transferred onto him. Friends, some of us may believe we're Christians but we've never experienced an emotional response like this woman. We've never come to a place of surrender like this woman. Why? Because we think of sin as a failure to keep the rules. We don't actually see it in that we have tried to live a life where we don't need to deeply trust God, depend on God. So what do you do with this, whether you're the woman or Simon? Simon. Well, it starts, friends, with humility and saying, recognizing the depth of our sin. How sinful are you? How sinful am I? How independent of God have we actually tried to live? All that bad behaving in our lives, those are little ways we try to medicate and remedy brokenness in our lives instead of trusting Jesus with that brokenness in our lives. So it starts by recognizing that. And that's that's being vulnerable, isn't it? Isn't it vulnerable to have to own your junk? It is incredibly vulnerable. And then from vulnerability, it means we move to a place of trust where we trust that Jesus paid for the debt of our sin. And one of the ways we respond is we take the necklace off our neck. All those things that are precious and important to us And we lay them at the feet of Jesus and we say, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. Friends, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna have Simon days and you're gonna have woman days. You're gonna have days where where you're you're detached and cool and maybe even in control. Days where you don't want to have to depend on God. You, you want to, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. And you'll have days like this woman where you're keenly aware of the depth of your sin and you're keenly aware of the cost of salvation. Friends, if you're in assignment day right now, remember the depth of your sin. Recognize your sin. Trust that Jesus has paid for
0: your sin. And surrender. We're glad you joined us for today's teaching. If you're listening in right now because your church isn't able to meet, we welcome you and we ask that you keep supporting your church community with all the engagement and giving options that they have. If you need any assistance in this unprecedented season, please let us know by email at care at onechurch.to or by texting the word CARE to 416-291-9575 or even just giving us a call at the same number. All other events and programming can be found at onechurch.to slash connect.